It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Howdy, all. Happy Friday. Happy Friday the 13th. Uh, I always get confused around this time when it's a Friday the Thirteenth, Russ, because it's like, is because I I was never I've never been a big horror fan. Oh no! Um, whether no no because those I worked in a movie theater for ten years and horror movies don't scare me, so it's like it, it, it I never really got into them. But I always get confused. Is the guy with the goalie mask is that Friday the Thirteenth or was that Halloween? No, that's Friday the Thirteenth. Was that Jason Voorhees? Jason Voorhees, yeah. Okay, okay. So there you go. There you go. So that that's perfect for hockey. You know, Friday yep. the Thirteenth with the mask. And the funny thing is, I had a friend who I was in a Stratomatic hockey league when I was in when I was really young, uh, named Jeff Jeff Berkowitz, and he I believe he lived in Voorhees, New Jersey, and that was the only thing. It was that I wonder how that that's how Jason Voorhees got his name. No, I don't think so. But Voorhees, New Jersey, is where the Flyers still practice. So that's funny. And he was a Flyers fan, so that made made sense. Yeah. Now we were talking. We were talking just before the, before the show. It's like I have to say, um, especially during the summers, but all the time because I've always been somebody who loves lots of ice in their in their drinks, whatever they're drinking. Is that you never realize how much you are dependent on a household item until it's broken. And that's me with the ice maker in my particular abode. We, you know, it's the 15 year old refrigerator and all of a sudden one day it just stopped working and, you know, trying to get it to work. And now we just basically give it up and I've had to go out and buy bags of ice at the, at the, uh, at the store. And it's like, I bought an, whoa, eight- whoa, whoa, whoa. there's a thing called ice trays, Mike. I, I know, know, I know, but they know. I know, but they're but you know I use up basically one tray in one drink. I like lots well, of they ice. Get four ice trays. <laughs> There's limited space in the dollar store, and they have they have that stacker, and you can put the ice trays in the stacker, and you won't have to spend money on ice somewhere There's else. Limited space in the freezer. Remember, it's like it's one There's of those more room for a fifty pound block of ice than there is for ice trays. <laughs> But but How much frozen sauce is in there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the funny thing is, I buy an eighteen pound bag of ice, which you know is four bucks. So that's that's that not my lifetime. That that will last me about a week and a half. Like we don't even have an ice maker. Like I, I haven't had an ice maker since I've lived in this house, which is over twenty years. We were supposed to have one. The idiots buried it in the wall, and and they wanted me to crack open the drywall to get it. And I'm like, no, I'm not ruining brand new drywall. But the idea is I fill up a pitcher with water. I put it in the refrigerator. It's ice water. <laughs> um, Anyhow. Sw- switching, switching to baseball just for br- br- briefly, because we had a lot of hockey to talk yes, about. Baseball. Yes. Um, you know, I would... oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Ah. Uh, <laughs> How are the Yankees doing? Uh, well, you know, it's early. It's April. Okay. okay. 
Yeah, that's why you know the Mets will be in third place in the NL East in June, and the Leafs and, and the Leafs and the and the and the uh, Yankees will be in first place in the AL East. Um, but no, I have to say it's like the major league season got started in late March, and there were games that were snowed out. There were games that were rained out. The weather has been pretty brutal, and you know, thankfully, like and I don't know. And Kaya, Kaya, Kaya agrees with me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just go on. Um, the the schedulers, I think, had the idea of okay, let's start these series in domes and in warm weather climes, so we don't uh, have as many games canceled. But you can't do that. You know, there are not that many cities in warm weather places and domes, so you had games canceled. Toronto, like. The, the Yankees opened up their season in Toronto under at the Dome at Rogers Center. I went to this the home opener, and we're talking a full two and a half weeks after the major league home openers. I went to the, the Buffalo Bisons, the AAA affiliate of the Blue Jays, their home opener yesterday, and it was 45 degrees, and it was the rain was coming inside. I, Russ, I've never seen more people when the rain came down scatter for the under the under uh, underhang of the yeah. of the upper deck, and that wasn't even safe because the rain was coming in sideways and hitting them. Oh, oh. you know, so it was like four, 40, 40, cold rain, wind coming off the lake. And I mean, at, at I lasted about three innings and said, "Forget it. I'm going. I'm going someplace where I can get a bowl of soup and warm up." It's. I mean, I, I don't know what the solution is, but you the know, solution is it's it's a very simple solution. We've all talked about it. You open up these games as far away from the East Coast as you can, and start gradually migrating to the East Coast as the weather gets better to the start of the season. That's what you do because, like, like I said before. Kiowa got all barky. Uh, City Field was cold. I mean, it was, it was like forty-five degrees. It was, you know, bearable, but it wasn't nice baseball weather by any stretch. Not that April weather is ever perfect, but you know, you're guaranteed when you're doing it at the end of March to have at least ten degrees colder every year. So that's just silly. There's domes. There's a lot of other places that should yeah. be utilized. And, and I think like, I think MLB did their best to start the season like in Tampa and Toronto and Miami, you know, whatever possible. But you know, you can't. There's there, you can't do that for everybody. And there are game there are games that are going to be played in Cincinnati and Chicago, and those are the games that ended up getting snowed out or rained out. So, all right, let's get started with the hockey talk. We'll be joined by Peter Tessier at, at any moment now. It'll be what's that? I said, will we? Uh, he, he said he said he would, so I will I will take him at his word. Till I see uh, him, okay. Yes, until we see. Hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, April thirteenth, twenty eighteen. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, we had five games last night in the NHL. Uh, we'll discuss all of them and the and the three games. Uh, that are scheduled tonight, and some off off the ice happenings. Um, we'll wait to we'll wait to talk about the the I think the game of the night went until Peter gets on. So let's start with Tampa Bay and New Jersey, uh, a five two victory for the Lightning. 
Um, I saw some of this game, but I was concentrating mostly on Toronto and Boston. And the, the general impression that I got, Russ, was this was men playing boys because well, uh, Tampa, Tampa jumped out. The jersey came back. I think they made it 3-2. It was 3-2. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. A couple of things. I mean, I think they were right to play Keith Kincaid, but if you're going to play Keith Kincaid, you should have your best defense in front of them. Why in the heck was Merkel Mueller there instead of Damon Severson? There's no good reason for that. No, there's nowhere where I see that Damon Severson's injured. I get that there was a time in the year where he was struggling a little bit, but he's been really good the second half of the year. He runs part of your power play, even if it's your second power play now. He's a top four guy. You had Merkel Mueller in there. He looked lost on a couple of those plays. He did draw one penalty, but he looked lost. And I like the guy, but he's 23. He doesn't have a lot of experience. This was a case where I wouldn't have played him because I had a better guy on the bench. But this is also a case where coaches make weird decisions for these playoffs based on players they feel comfortable with. Yeah, uh, Andre Pilat had, had, a, had a big game of goal and two assists. Uh, Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord. Alex Klorn and Nikita Kucherov score for for for, for uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, you know, I I didn't come off my belief that Tampa Bay was the team to beat in the East, even though they struggled down down the uh, the stretch. I it, I got I think it got to the point, Russ, that they were so far ahead and they and they lost yeah. that lead and almost and almost uh, didn't get the Atlantic Division and the Eastern Conference uh, home ice advantage, but that they sort of got too comfortable in they March. Yeah, they got exactly, especially after all the trade, uh, you know, the trades at the deadline, getting McDonough. It was more settling in with these guys and getting ready for the playoffs, and there really wasn't a lot of motivation there. But you know, the game one of the playoffs, they really showed up, and I mean, I I think I picked the Lightning in six. I mean, if they play like this, then it's probably going to be the Lightning in four or five. I you know, but I don't know if it's all going to be like that. I think no. the Lightning will win the series. I think, like I said, there's changes the Devils could make, and they should make them. If they do that, they can make their defense better. It will help Kincaid because I think Kincaid will still get the second start. It's not like he did anything that, that hurt his chances. He was fine. It was the defense in front of him that wasn't fine. He was getting pelted for a while, like you said. Yeah. Uh, but they did fight back. And and so, like, I'm not ready to just throw it in for them yet. No. But I get what you're saying. And Stamkos played 17 minutes, but did not register a point. I believe. Um, I look, just looking over the box score. I didn't notice him a lot, to be honest. Yeah, and and that, and that's and that's the thing. It's like I mean, yes, he's going to be out there, but is it a hundred percent Stamkos? He's not hundred percent. Right, and that, and that see that down the line. I mean, if they face a Boston or a Toronto, or if they you know in the conference finals against Pittsburgh, you know maybe he gets comfortable playing at the level that he is, but he's not going to be as effective as a fully healthy Steven Stamkos. Isn't you know the thing is he's been hurt so much. Will we ever see a fully healthy Steven Stamkos? Maybe not. But did we ever see a fully healthy Mario Lemieux? Most of the time we didn't. Yeah, with the back problems, and yeah, then we can we can buy. You know, I know he came back after Hodgkins, but I don't know how much it really affected him because he he played at a superhuman level. So, yeah, yeah. but he still was always having aches and pains. Best player I can give you an example for any sport that was like that was Roberto Clemente. If you talk to him, he was hurt all the time. There's just some players, you know. Right. Um, 
the other game the, the I'm trying to hold off on the 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 big the big game. So we'll talk about uh, Peter, who's going to eventually make an entrance. Okay, we we, we hope so. Uh-huh. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and Washington Capitals, and Russ, this was sort of a roller coaster because the Capitals took a two nothing lead. Josh, uh, it was Josh Anderson got a got a game for it. Uh, got not a got not a game. Got a game misconduct and a, and a five minute major for a hit. Yeah, and uh, there there he is. There's Peter Tessier. We're live. I there. Thought he is. I got That's my confused. I was upstairs cleaning a bathroom. Uh. That's very very exciting, Peter. Thanks for sharing. Yes. Sure. <laughs> I might only have about forty five minutes here. No, yeah, we're we're good. We're good. We'll be That's we'll be done right. at eleven. Um, we're talking about we're talking about we already talked about uh, about uh, Devils and uh, and Lightning. Uh, we're talking about the Blue Jackets and the and the Capitals. Uh, the Capitals jumped out early to nothing. I believe both goals were on the power play uh, after Anderson's uh, uh, five minute and a game misconduct for a hit. Um, the, the 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 Blue Jackets came back. They they you know they weathered the storm. They came back. They tied the game. Washington took the lead again. They tied the game again. Uh, and then Artemi Panera and Russ again. Where's the Anton Forsberg? Teams, I've been talking about it. Like, yeah. and until Alex Ovechkin, Ovechkin really shows up in the playoffs, Panarin is the best player on both teams. Now Kuznetsov did show up. I did. I did wonder if we were going to see him, and and he did. He did. But you know, again, these strange coaching decisions. Peter, I brought up like the Devils had Mirko Mueller in there instead of Damon Severson. Makes no sense. Why is Yerebek in there at all? They just pick him up in February from the Canadians. He's in there last, like he's in there in overtime. Like this is a guy who you haven't even had there most of the year. You have him in there at crunch time. Him and Orlov are just basically watching Panarin. Like at least if you had a guy like Madison Bowie who has mobility and a physical nature and can really move the puck, you might have been able to change the course of Panarin. He made that almost a trick shot. He had so much room like that. To me, well, it's an egregious coaching mistake. It, 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 it sure, and I mean, it's just not recognizing who's on the ice. Yeah, and the fact that you you bring up the key point, Russ, was mobility. Panarin made that look way too easy. He did it, and that that was yeah, that was inexcusable. So I mean, going back to this, the way that Columbus clawed back into the series or into the game and how they won it in overtime. And it was a trick shot, but it was a shot that should have been stopped too. Yeah. And got exactly what we've talked about for the last week. You have a situation where do you start questioning Grubauer and now you have to go and what, at what point do you have to go back to Holby? Because. Well, that game wasn't Grubauer's fault. Well, I know, but it's still the same problem is they lost four three. He yeah. still gave up four goals and you can and now so if you started Holtby and you gave up four, it's an easy decision. Right. Now it's a difficult one. I would still go with Holtby, even though it's not Grubauer's fault, because I'm hoping that Holtby can maybe get a shutout because you know, but again, Columbus still struggled for offense at, at yeah. many times in that game. They did. Yeah. They just they did get it at the right times. But they still were struggling. I still don't think they have the best offensive lineup in there yet. But yeah. that's okay. They won the game. The Caps are in trouble, though. And Trotz is in trouble. Well, 
I mean, Milano may get in the lineup now because Alexander Wenberg got hurt during the game and that's did not return. That's the way he's going to get in because he's been scoring goals for them, and that's who I was getting at. You know that. Yeah. Right, but, but look, you know, looking at the time on ice, Ovechkin led all forwards with over almost 26 minutes. He had four shots on goal, not, not, a, not a point. I mean, it was mostly – their offense mostly came from – from Kuznetsov with the two power play goals, Carlson had three assists. Yep. Again, it's like if it's not the power play, I mean, you they got a, a an even strength goal from Devontae Smith Pelly. They need to score five on five. But you know, from what I saw of that game, and it was limited, but I thought Bobrovsky played pretty well. And, and I thought and, one goal he'd like to have back, but yeah. But I mean. And I pick Columbus in this series. I think that they can, you know, barring the fact that they, you know, any kind of major injuries, I think they can take this series. And the question is now, you know, do they go back to Holpe in game two? And if they go to Holpe, they can't go back to Grubauer again. Yeah, can they can go to Holpe, they stay with Holpe. Yeah. I would go to Holpe in game two. Uh, I do want to say that, that Seth Jones goal was great. And he was on my Norris ballot. And, I felt like he's really had just an amazing second half of the season. He's been good all year, but the yeah. second half he's been red hot and he's still showing it. I think we don't give Columbus's defense enough credit. Yeah, we have talked about it, but their defense is really good, and Tortorella is doing a really good job with those guys. But again, if if Columbus doesn't get Panarin in this trade, I don't know if they win this series. Like it's literally yeah. to me, it's boiling down to that. Well, I, I mean, the, I think the dilemma for Guillermo Kekalainen this summer is, can you get Panarin locked up long term? I mean, I, I don't know what I, I know he's playing great, but I don't know if he likes it in Columbus or if he wants to test unrestricted free agency in the in the summer of 2019. But I, I would mean, sit him and Bobrovsky down in the same room and see if I can knock them both out at the same time. That's what I would yeah. try and do. That's right. what I, I agree with that. And the danger, the danger is, is that. For a player like Panarin and anyone else who's going to be a free agent next summer, is that might be your last summer to cash in on the contract terms of the CBA this time, as right. opposed to the next one, which is going to be who knows what it's going to be, but you know there's going to be some taking back from the owners in some capacity. Yeah, I mean there there are certain teams that want to get certain young players signed to eight year yeah. deals because the eight year deal may not be. A, a possible in the new CBA. I have a feeling that the length of contract might be a target of the owners in terms of, you know, uh, maybe lessening it, but some people, you know, some, some teams want eight year deals for these players. I think a lot of teams want them. The, the problem with the eight year deal and, and more is, is that GMs have gotten smarter and they realize that if we put the eight year deal starting at age 22, 23, we get them through their prime rather than trying to do it at 29. Right. which was the mistake before and going into 37. Yeah. That's the key, right? So right. I don't know if the eight-year deal is the issue. I think there's going to be terms within those contract things, but we've got two years to talk about that. Yeah, and, and we'll, but we'll we'll see the ramifications of that this summer with Tavares. I mean, I think Tavares is such a, a top-line player. He's going to get the eight, the seven-year deal from another team no matter what, no matter what, because that's how good of a player he is. But a guy like Van Riemsdyk, Who's a you know who is a, a a really good winger and a thirty goal scorer? You know he's 20, 28 going on twenty nine and he's getting slower and that might limit his ability to get a seven year deal, but he probably can get a five or six year deal. So we'll we'll talk yeah. about that. 
we'll talk about that in the offseason. Let's, okay, let's talk about the game that I watched and I think everybody was focused on, and that was the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. The whole world was watching this game, Mike. That, that, that's that's true. It, it, was, it, yeah. was, it was the center of the hockey world. It was, and, it was bigly. It was that bigly. It yes, was. And, and I'm, I'm wondering whether Leo Komarov is going to get mono today from being kissed by Brad Marchand. It was just, you know. Uh, but I have to say it it played out the way I thought it would in the in the terms of the Bruins came out and tried to you know muscle up and try to run the Leafs out of the building early in the game. They didn't. I mean, they took the lead, um, but the Leafs survived the initial rush. They tied the game. Where I think this game was lost, and I wrote about this uh, late last night, is that the Leafs lost the special teams battle. I mean, we'll talk about the Kadri thing in, in a bit, but just talk about the game itself. The Leafs really lost the special teams battle. Boston went three for six on the power play. They scored, you know, the 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 opening goal, the game winning goal, and a, a goal in the third period on the power play. The Leafs penalty killing was, you know, top ten in the league, but really showed you know that that they were an Achilles heel yesterday and the Leafs had three power plays late in the first and two in uh in the uh early second period and had one really great scoring opportunity for Mitch Marner and could not cash in and if the Leafs don't score on the power play I don't I don't think this is going to be a competitive series no I agree I I think a couple of things happened I think it was worse than I thought it would be because I I you know I picked the Bruins obviously and but I felt like the Leafs should be able to give a decent fight. Mm -hmm. uh, the Leafs' lack of discipline was a problem. Yeah, uh, I felt like by the middle of the second and almost all the third that Mike Babcock looked befuddled out there. Like whatever message he gave to his guys, they weren't getting it. Uh, Nazem Kadri yeah. probably deserves two or three games suspension. That was well, the dirtiest hit we've seen so far since a guy was already on his knees. Yeah. And he plasters them in the boards. And then, you know, I love how post-game – here's the funny thing about players, okay? Mm -hmm. Players remember everything. But when you interview Nazem Kadri after the game, he's like, you know, it was happening so fast. And it's like, listen, he's like a charging bull. He saw red in his eyes. He saw a chance to get frustration out by plastering a guy against the glass, and he did it. And now he's they're going to pay the price for that. They will, or they should. Here's the thing. If you're going to take that run – why are you wasting it on Tommy Wills? Hey, that's the other. Well, right? because well, the, the, the reason, Peter, and I'll, I'll let you continue, but the reason is, and I'm not justifying, but this was the reason. During the game, Mitch Marner was being targeted. Now it wasn't dirty, it was, but it was, but it was purposeful. The Bruins' tactic with Marner, and I think it's the tactic of every, of every team, um, is hit the guy. He's not big. Right. You're lay the body on him, and if you do, you're going to neutralize him or limit him. And they did it effectively. Uh, Wingles uh, and Chara in the third period when Kadri took the run at Wingles had sandwiched Marner along the boards, and Kadri had already taken a run at Wingles earlier in the period. And, you know, his explanation was, well, Wingles fell down, and I didn't mean to hit him up high. <laughs> well, but, you know, whatever. whatever. Of, co of course you expect him to say that. Of course you expect ba Babcock to say, well, I didn't really see it, so I can't really. Oh, you know, yeah. they're, they're not going to contribute to the NHL's case to suspend the guy. So I get that. But to, to Russ's point, Kadri, you know, is a veteran on this team, and he lost all composure. He was that bull in the Warner Brothers cartoon with the red eyes that sees Bugs Bunny and goes after him and then runs himself so, into the wall. 
Cadre's logic post-game was, this is the problem that I think, and he should have shut up. He actually should have shut up. Was he said I was already committed to the hit? It's, yes, a laughable, it's a laughable thing, and I used this analogy on Twitter last night, and it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was committed to the intersection when the guy stepped out, so I didn't hit the brakes. Really, Your Honor, that's why it, that's why it happened. It's, yeah. It has no plausible grounds in reality, right? Yeah, of what he did. So take Cadre out of it. Take put any player you want in the situation and they did that right there's no excuse he wasn't like he was two feet away he was so far away that he had time to see the angle and turn his hip into him he could have went straight in use his arms to brace against the boards and no he turned his hip and just boom so if he doesn't get five games he won't get five. No, he'll get between two and three. Russ, I think he's yes. getting. I think he's getting one. I think he's he getting. Gets, one. So then, how do you justify what um what happened in the Nashville game, and then Dowdy if he only gets one? Right. Dowdy basically shoulder rubbed a guy, and it went up and caught him on the thing. And I don't doubt that there was a dive. I can't remember who Dowdy hit. That there was uh, a Car- Carrier. But I saw yeah. I saw an angle where he I hit don't him. think it was a dive. No, I I, I, he hit him on the jaw, Peter. Yeah, he hit him on the button. Yeah, he hit him on the jaw. I, I've, I've grabbed my dog harder on the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, no, to be honest, I think, look, I think it was a good enough dirty shot by um, Dowdy that, the suspension is just, but now Kadri yeah. needs to get two or three games for well, that. Well, see, the, and, and, this, and this is the thing, and I don't know if the, I don't know if cumulative effect will will be a factor. I don't think here. it does, Mike. I think that's all washed away. I they they used to talk about it. They don't go that no. way anymore. Well, well, no, no, no. Let, let me finish. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking suspensions before. I'm talking about in the game itself because Kadri, in the span of about ten minutes, late second period, early third period, neon need Rick Nash. Ran Wingles behind the net, which I, I thought, you know, it was it, he hit him on the side, but Wingles sort of dove into the board. So I don't know how much was was Cadre's hit and how much was Wingles propelling himself. Uh, and then then the incident where he gets the five for charging in the game. So I don't know if they take that into account or you know how many times he's been suspended and been fined for diving and all these other things. But this is supposed to be one of the guys on the Leafs who is had experience in the playoffs, who's supposed to be a leader. And he, you know, he reacted that way. Austin Matthews was, and, and William Nylander were completely neutralized, not only by Bergeron when they were matched up against him, but but Cassidy put out Chara and McAvoy, and they shut them down with, with the exception of maybe one shift and one power play. And, and you know, the best, the best forward on the ice for the Maple Leafs last night was Zach Hyman. So, I mean, the, yeah, I, I, I got <laughs> was screaming at Kadri after that hit. Like it was like my grandfather screaming at me when he had to watch me and my parents were away. It was bad. <laughs> like Zara wanted to kill him. <laughs> he did. You know, and, and here's the thing. So let's, let's again, sure Wingles have been doing some things, but it's still Tommy Wingles. Okay. Yeah. If Kadri gets three games, say he gets three games. Yep. He may very well, have taken his entire team out of the playoff series mm-hmm. if he gets three games. Yep. That is inexcusable. And frankly, if you're the coach, 
you should like Babcock needs to address this in, in a way that says to him, dude, you just cost this. Like, and if they go down on four or five and, and Codry misses the bulk of those games because of that, and basically the Leafs could have been back in the game, could have, they needed some luck and some help. They could have gotten back in the game, but that, you know, that killed it. Yeah, I mean, actually take them out of out of the series, and he needs to know that. Well, it's Peter, not like, they, oh, just hang your head and feel shame. They they they, they, they were at, they were at four one at that time, so I, I think they were. Well, I thought it was three. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that, that was that was yeah. No, uh, um, um, Corrali had scored a, a few minutes before, and then I think that was message time, but that was the wrong message. It was basically yeah. okay. I'm going to make myself feel better and be selfish. By by trying to you know maybe he's trying to spark the Leafs that, that this is the problem the the Leafs lineup yesterday was totally and I can't say intimidated but they were you know Boston was the more experienced of the two clubs they came out they were energetic they hit everything that moved the the, the Leafs were able you know they were able to respond a little bit late in the first with the tying goal played well in the second period but could not get the get the lead on the power plays. And you were just waiting for Boston to get that next opportunity to score, and, and they did on the power play. And after that, and I'll tell you, Russ, I I I, I vocalized this, or I I, I oh, you're not going to tell me you're going to put Matt Martin in. No, I, I think they should. I really oh think they God. should. But 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 let me let me let me make let me make this point. They traded a second round pick for Thomas Bacanitz and Mike Babcock before the series was saying, with Thomas Bacanitz out there, I can, you know, basically be comfortable with rolling four lines and not being concerned with matchups. Well, Mr. Babcock, I'll tell you right now, Thomas Bacanitz was responsible for the goal from Pasternak late in the late in the second period. He was a complete non-factor. Actually, I think he was a he was a detriment to that team. And you know, I didn't see oh. at the time that they made that trade that Dominic Moore was was significantly worse than Thomas Bacanitz. And if it was yeah. me, I would put Dominic Moore in the lineup in game two. But I I think Babcock's reputation is tied up in getting Placanitz, and he's going to keep him in there. I agree. I, I would put more in there too. Uh, look, the one bright spot was what a great goal by Connor Brown, and we don't even get to really talk. No, it was about Hyman. It. it was Hyman. It was, oh, Hyman. Brown, sorry, Brown was the setup. He was the yeah, one Brown, who got right, the setup on that goal, and and it's like it gets lost in this because of all the the bad in this game. But I'll tell you the other thing: Van Riemsdyk played a very lazy, soft game. He did. Yeah. And got and and I believe it was well his his uh his penalty in the first period was what gave him the power play on the first goal. But yeah, to, yeah. I know that you, I know that you laugh, but Russ, I, I don't you know the Leafs can't win this series if they try to out physical the Bruins. They have to beat them with speed and skill. But you also have to have somebody out there to say, okay, you can't take advantage. You cannot run Mitch Marner without some repercussions and. If it was me, I would have Matt Martin on the fourth line. But they're, they're probably not going to go that way. If if Kadri gets suspended, more than likely the move is going to be moving Patrick Marlowe to the middle, inserting Andreas Janssen, right. and probably moving up Kamara off to the second line. Uh, yeah. But honestly, if this game if, – if, if it gets out of hand again, the Leafs have to do something to sort of fight back. And I think – you know, if not, even in maybe not in game two, but in game three at home, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Martin gets in the lineup. I mean, I will. I'll say this: Babcock has to stop being stubborn and deviate from his game plan 
and not go status quo here. Even if, look, he's not going to be able to go status quo because Kadri probably won't be in the lineup. But right. if Kadri somehow avoids suspension, Babcock <laughs> can't go with the same old lineup because Boston will just trounce it. Like, he's yeah. got to make significant changes. If he doesn't, they're going to, they might lose that series quicker than we thought. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to make, he's got to make tactical changes. It's not just roster. There's some tactical things that have to be done as well. And I'm not, you know, I, 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 I was going back and forth between a few games last night and then I went to the gym and sort of had three on in front of there and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't watch it with the, you know, a fine tooth comb, but from the, some of the things I saw, there were just some awareness breakdowns, particularly on the defense. And that's the, like, those are fixable things, but you got to be aware of why these guys are mis- making these decisions or not making these reads. And you've right. got to sort that out. And, and that, you know, that doesn't mean the next game isn't, is going to be a Bruins, you know, win by four, but it does mean you can stay in the game longer if you fix those things as just opposed to saying, well, bring in Martin, get rid of X, Y, Z, right? Like right. there's a bigger chess game here. Yeah. Well, I mean, guys, you know, Ron Hainsey has, has played well for the Leafs this year. He was, he was on the ice for the two power play goals. He was, he was directly responsible for the third goal by dumping, by dumping it up the middle. And, uh, oh, no, excuse me. That was on, that was on the second goal, but he was on the ice for the, for the pastor net goal too. So he was my, you know, even though he doesn't get a minus for the two power play goals, uh, he was minus three in the, for the first three goals. And they needed, you know, a guy like Hainsey to be that stable veteran. And we didn't yeah. see that. So yeah, it, I'm sure there'll be changes and the news will probably come down sometime around noon or one o'clock this afternoon to see what Kadri gets suspended for. If I had to, if I had to guess, I think he's going to at least get a game from you guys. You're saying two or three. I, I think at the absolute minimum, it's one. I, I think it's going to be yeah, going to get a game. Yeah. That's obvious. What he should get is more. What he will, what, what reality is, is two or three. And I, and you know, even though, even though I think it should be more, not because it's Cotterie, but because of the nature of the hit, um, he, he should get five. But this is a, the Department of NHL Player Safety is is a is a roulette wheel. It's a crown and anchor wheel. It's craps. It's anything. There's no logic. There's no process. There is literally a bunch of guys sitting in a room making it up as they go along. Yeah. And it's been proven time and time and time again for years that they have no consistent methodology to rely on to do anything. So for the Leafs fans, be happy. You won't lose them for the series. But if you care about player safety, that's the kind of play you get rid of a guy for a series. That's my piece. Okay, uh, moving on to the other other couple games from last night. Uh, Nashville was thrown a little bit of a scare by Colorado early in the game. The the Avalanche um, took a one nothing lead, took a two one lead, but as the game el- elapsed, Russ Nashville came to the forefront. And I'll tell you, I've seen some great playoff goals, but that Philip Forsberg goal, oh my, god, that was oh, my yeah. oh my freaking god, what a, what an unbelievable move he made. Uh, and getting it by Bernier, obviously, but a five-two victory for the Predators. And I, I mean, the Predators. I mean, I, I think they're going to have a tough out against Winnipeg. It's going to be a really good series. But I, Nashville, the way they played last night, they continue to play like that. They're 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 going to win their first Stanley Cup. I mean, they they really played well. I'm not giving them the Stanley Cup yet, but it was a great yeah. game. Uh, I like the way Ryan Hartman played. 
Austin Watson played great. Like there was there was a lot of things to like. Uh, the Zdorov goal was pretty good. Like that was that was unexpected. <laughs> yeah, but Colorado just ran out of gas. And well, I, they ran out of gas, but they ran out of depth. Yeah, I mean all of it. All yeah, of them. Like, I mean, look, if Colorado had another line. Just, that's what they need. And if you took gave them one more half-decent line in their bottom six and they keep that pace up, Nashville wants nothing to do with playing that that speed of hockey for a, a series if Colorado can win a game or two. They yeah. want they'll, – they'll be gassed. I, I, I haven't – see, the Jets haven't played Colorado in some time, so I've forgotten how fast they are. The way they attack the puck is ridiculous. It it's, is. I mean, they are fast. And McKinnon, my God, when that guy gets his legs going, heads up. And it's just like I've forgotten what it's like. And, the, you know, the Jets struggled against Colorado this year. It was not They were not easy games for them. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that speed. They're ridiculous. And no team wants to get in a – like, Nashville's a fast team. But Subban got blown by. Once, maybe twice. I mean, and, and not just like, oh, like I'm on him and no, he got past me. Like he didn't have a chance. Like he was standing and, still, like he was wearing like he was wearing yeah, orange, like a pylon. They they're not like Colorado's not afraid to come straight at you down the pipe at full tilt without a fear. And yeah. is is it is it a bit of riverboat gambling in terms of your approach? Yes, but that's mm-hmm. all they got. Right. And they do it well. Yeah, I think Colorado would have had a chance to win a couple games in this series had Eric Johnson been healthy and had Varlamov been healthy. Um, some breaking news here, and we'll just uh, you know we'll get back to the playoff analysis in a second. But uh, Mike Heike is reporting that Ken Hitchcock, Hitchcock is expected to announce his retirement from coaching. So yeah. that was it was one year in Dallas. They missed the playoffs, and now. They're going to have to go in a different direction coaching-wise, Russ. I'm a little surprised because I thought he was going to stay around for another year. Yeah, but. the talk seemed like he might stay around based on what I heard a couple days ago, like just out of his mouth. But I guess maybe, uh, you know, he had a chance to sleep on it and realized, okay, you know, this is it for me. In a way, I think it's better for Dallas because I think they need to move on from that sort of play and yeah. that sort of regime. I know a lot of people were like, well, it's Ken Hitchcock. He'll – you know, he's a playoff coach and everything. You know, I mean, there are some things that probably happened there that you would say, you know what, if Hitch did this and he played some more youngsters and he, you know, was a little more open-minded, maybe they could have won some other games. They did have injury problems and they did have goaltending problems and that's not his fault. But I think now it's probably good that they're moving on from him because they do need to change direction. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure who would be in the in the mix there for the, for the head coaching job, but I, I, for some reason, I remember Dave Tippett's name being mentioned, and that uh, you know, as in connection to Dallas. Yeah, that, that, Tippett. I, I mean, again, I would go same way I said, and had head coaching experience as Willie Desjardins. He coached yeah. their AHL team in uh, the, the Texas Stars, and I yeah. believe he won a Calder Cup with them. So yeah, I yeah. maybe he'll be in the mix. Um, okay, la- the last. Last game, the last game Somebody that did uh, post in the chat room. Hold on, and they could be right. Like someone like Elaine Vigneault could end up getting a Dallas job. He could. Yeah, that, that's no, I, I like, there's people who think Vigneault's a bad coach. I'm not one of them. No. They think um, he's a short term coach. I think yes. the longer you, know, you have him, Vigneault, the worse Vigneault's got a 
Vignon was ahead of the curve on some things that we're seeing coaches do yes. now in Vancouver. He was he yes. was definitely ahead of the curve. He wasn't afraid to embrace some newer ideology that that the Gillis regime brought into the Canucks. Now he's there. It's a little stale. He's got to find that reinvention thing of himself. He's yeah. got to re recreate Dallas. If they can get Nishushkin back, um, you know, make you know, do a couple of things. He could actually be a great coach for Dallas, but he's got to adjust a little bit. He's yeah. got to change his level of of approach and, and thinking. But he could be a very interesting guy. Yeah, Nishushkin would be a guy I think that um, Vigneault could actually utilize. But here's the thing: end of the day. With the Vigneault, sign him to a two-year deal. Don't go yeah. any further. Don't give him a four-year deal because I think that's the secret for him. But anyhow. Uh, let's just finish up with the the, the games from last night. Uh, 3 nothing victory for San Jose over Anaheim in game one of their series. Uh, the, the thing that sparked our, my attention was Joe Thornton coming out for the pregame. It was a little bit of, ta little bit of tactics there oh. by, uh, by P Peter DeBoer putting up now he was skating around. He may not be ready to to play in the series, but it, I think it opened up the eyes of everybody to see him well, out there. Talk about second round, and I still feel that way. Yeah, but uh, they get three goals. In the, they get three goals in the middle of the second period of Andrew Kane with two Brent Burns. Uh, Matt Martin Jones gets the shutout. Not a great performance to open the series for Anaheim, but I think again, Russ, I think this is going to be a long series. I still think it's going to be a long series. I mean, Kane just had like the game of his life. He really was a force. Yeah. Uh, it was a big deal. The um, I think Anaheim played it a little too safe offensively. I felt like they didn't really get a chance to open it up at all, and then maybe they they need to do that. Uh, I did see some good things out of like Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc, those kinds of guys for San Jose. And that's important for them because, you know, they don't have Marlowe anymore. They don't have Thornton at the moment. So, but again, the one thing I did talk about on a few shows and I did talk about on this show, we all vastly underrate Martin Jones. We do. We overlook yeah, him. We do. And he is a really good playoff tested goalie. And that's why I think he was the difference in the game. And I, I you know, I'm not shocked that he was. But, you know, here's the other thing with that game, and I watched a bit of it, you know, as I was kind of going back and forth between Nashville and then over to there. Um, the the interesting thing is Corey Perry became unglued. And yeah. like Caudry, that's a guy you can't have losing his cool and going bananas over things and, and taking dumb penalties because you actually need him. Like, he's he's a key cog. And he's the guy who's supposed to get the other team unglued. But he does that from game to game. Like, I think you'll get him back. He does lose it once in a while. There's nothing you can do with that. Hmm. Um, okay. Now, uh, we'll talk about the three games that uh, will go tonight at the end of the show. Wanted to talk about a couple things that came out yesterday. Some weird uh, press conferences and uh, statements made uh, from two Canadian cities. One – uh, Pierre Dorian comes out and and basically says, I'm going to make a decision on Guy Boucher after the NHL draft lottery. So right now, Guy Boucher is waiting for the gallows, wait, waiting waiting to whether to see he's going to be hung or not hung, whether there's going to be a call from the governor or not. No, but I think that's okay to sort of hold the guy accountable and 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 look, you you are the you're in charge. You can do whatever you want with that team. I don't think this is like anything egregious. And I will tell you something else that I, again, that I do like that the Sens are doing. I like the fact that they're making that pick this year and they're not rolling the dice for next year because at the end of the day, 
You make that pick this year. That player gets a year worth of development under his belt. You don't know what's going to happen next year. What if the league stinks and all of a sudden you finish higher than this year? Anything's right. possible. Or you just lose in the draft lottery like Vancouver and you get bumped down five spots. Well, they they they, fin- they finished 30th, so the, 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 lowest, the lowest their pick can be, I think, is what, 26th? Yeah, they fall. Yeah, people aren't doing the math. Like there's, and I was even asked about that on Sirius this morning. They're looking at it like, well, they could get first or second next year, and it's like, you know what, the odds of that really happening are not very good. No, you know what, people don't realize how bad the Oilers will continue to be. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, but the the funny thing is this. I mean, if if even if they lose the lottery and and they and they fall four spots, they'll have a top five pick. That means. Hughes or Boquist or or Svechnikov. I mean, they're going to get a really good player in this draft next year. What this tells me is because I'm convinced now they're trading Eric Carlson. This is not going to be a future, like strictly future deal, like two first round picks and a prospect. This is going to be we need good players back. We need tangible assets back to help us prevent us from finishing 30th next year. I am not convinced they are trading Eric Carlson. What they are doing is they are going to let everybody know what Eric Carl, what the contract is for Carlson, and they're going to leave it up to him. So to me, that's not a plan that they're guaranteed trading him because he could accept the deal. I mean, and if he accepts the deal, he's going to be a part of that team for a million years to come. Yeah. yeah, I, re- I really doubt. I really doubt he's going to accept the deal. I, I don't think. doubt it, but but there's going to be a deal that he could accept. Sure, and that's why there I don't is. think they're in trade mode right now. For there him. is there's a deal he could accept, and then he's going to get traded once he takes eight years inst- instead of you know. No, he, no, he's they're not. Doing that's it. right, he's not free agent. Sorry, but you know what? He's not doing that. It, it, honestly, I don't think it makes any sense for Ottawa to maintain him to make to, to keep him, but I don't know if Dorian has the vision particularly with melnick hanging over him to make it get the value back that you should get for carlson right and you know the draft was you know not the draft sorry the trade deadline was probably the idea that said okay here's where some people see value here's where i see value i know what's out there now for him now i've got it now come the draft and stuff I, when teams have some space, they're making their plans. They know what they got to change in the playoffs. There's more. He's got to. He's going in with more knowledge. Yeah, it's it's sound. It it sounds to me like they came pretty close to moving yeah. him to Vegas, and that's why I'm convinced that you know with a second chance with a because I I don't know whether Eric Carlson is going to sign a deal in 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 Ottawa for what I think Ottawa will offer him. They may offer him 10, 11 million dollars. They may offer him the eight years. I mean, that's what Dorian says. He's not going to trade him at the draft and he's going to offer him an eight year deal on July one. But what is the eight year deal? If it's, if it's a low ball offer of say eight to $9 million, he's not going to take it. And he's he does probably, like it there though. That is a legit thing. And, and, and his wife, and his wife, his wife, he loves the community. His wife yeah. is from there. Those are all definite factors. But I also think he wants to get paid, and he doesn't like the organization under Melnick and under Dorian, and I think those will be factors as well. So, I mean, we'll see. Now, the other- one more thing about Ottawa is it, they, they drafted really well. We know yeah. that. They have been able to produce players pretty quickly like Thomas Shabbat, and, and, and really Colin White would be there if he wasn't hurt, right? He would have been there all year. At the end of the day, I don't think it kills them if they are able to keep Carlson and I do think at some point they will spend money again when they do get this deal signed up for their 
arena. So like, even if that's two or three years into the Carlson deal, right. he's still going to be a useful player. I think that's why they're in this sort of tough spot. Yeah. But you know what? They had like a um, a meeting with their season ticket holders recently. Right. And they were pretty open about it. And I do give them credit for that. Now the other the other situation is Edmonton. And yeah. talk about talk about things being asked backwards, Peter. Shirelli comes out and basically gives his sort of state of the team type of press conference. And everybody thought, okay, well, we're, you know, that's the last we'll see of them until they make their make some decisions. And then Bob Nicholson comes out and gives the vote of confidence to Shirelli and says Shirelli's gonna be back next year, which I'm sure threw everybody in Edmonton for a tizzy. But now Todd McClellan's name is out there in terms of, well, we haven't made a decision yet. We're not we're not gonna know what we're gonna do until later and probably to see who's out there it's, that we can choose. It's the exactly it's the old Brian Burke playbook. And Burke did this when he got a hold of the Canucks. And yeah, he's and now it's not the first time it's ever happened, I'm sure, but it's the first time I remember it happening. Mike Keenan was the coach, but they didn't have a GM and Burke got hired in to be the GM. Keenan in his role as coach had had control over player personnel so he could make trades. And that's when he traded Linden for Bertuzzi and and, and everything. So the, the whole thing was is Burke waited, Mark Crawford got fired, and then someone else got fired. And that's when Burke fired Keenan and hired Crawford right. because he didn't want someone else getting Crawford before he did. So he knew he had time when there was no vacancies there. He just didn't, you know, it's just about spending the money. This is exactly what they're going to do in Edmonton. They're going to wait and see who comes out. They are. I and, and, you know, I think – I don't think – Alain Vigneault is the right guy for them. No. I'll tell you who they're waiting for right now. I think they're waiting for Barry Trotz. Yeah, I think they're waiting for Trotz. But the, two things. So they're all cheering for Columbus right now. Yeah. Peter Peter Shirelli's job seems safe, which, again, I think we're all of us are surprised at. That's baffling. That's baffling. Who, and who, who would you put in who, who would you put in right now who's available off the top of your head? Oh, off the like top. Other than Gilman? Like, who's there? I might have to go with Lawrence Gilman, not because he's a bad choice, because he really can manage the cap, and that's been half of the problem with well, Exactly. They're making ah. trades to manage the cap, not manage the cap so they can keep right. playing. Yeah, uh, it's a good thing. But is he the vision side of a team and the pieces and stuff like that? I think Gilman is sort of a uh, – like maybe the they – there's, there's always going to be meddling. They're doing dumb things. Yeah, the problem is there's always going to be meddling from ownership and from these older players that they sort of bring along from the ride, like, you know, Paul Coffey and whoever. Yeah. And I don't know if any of them has the vision to, to get them out of this. That's, to me, yeah. that's a big part of their problem. Well, well, I mean, if if all of a sudden Chiarelli was fired, which obviously he's not going to be now based on the statements, it would have, it would have been the same list of people who everybody thought was going to be uh, trying to get the the Carolina job, which is Fenton, and you know Julian Breezebois and uh, uh, you know a lot of uh, Tom Fitzgerald, a lot of those assistant GMs who have been waiting around to get a GM's job. So, I, I mean, but. I mean, they could they could be waiting around. They could have been waiting around, waiting for somebody else, some other GM to get fired, like Chuck Fletcher in Minnesota or something like that. He so, could have been. I mean, yeah. I will say this: it doesn't seem like they have a real great offseason plan. I I don't see it yet. Speaking yeah. Now, go ahead. Go, keep going. Keep going. Keep going on that. I'll, I just want to take a little tangent here, but keep finish up. Well, well, I mean, the one 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 thing that 
and there has been talk, and I, I think it would be pretty hilarious if they actually did this, but there was one mention that, you know, Milan Lucic going into year three of a seven-year contract that they might consider buying that contract out because no it, I, I well I'm am telling you what was what was out there, Russ. And I mean, maybe they could find some team like Vancouver because he's from Vancouver to trade for him, but oh, and maybe retain some of the salary just to just to make it palatable. But um, you know, Chiarelli is the one who signed Lucic, so he's not going to buy him out. That's admitting a mistake. Yeah, but you know what? Not this- you can buy out Brzgalov for that deal. You can buy out Lucic. Yeah, right? but Brzgalov yeah, was a disaster yeah. to the team in the locker room and otherwise. By the way, I, I understand that. I'm just saying. It's, know, but here's it's a, a point about Ilya Brzgalov. Hold on, hold on. The point about Ilya Brzgalov, you know, while everybody likes to laugh at his tweets and his posts, you yeah. know, the other day, posting Elliot's restaurant, trying to, trying to tell the Flyers like he's available, he was horrible in the playoffs himself. He should really shut up. Well, I don't think this stuff is funny at all. I don't. He should, he should shut up, but you know what, Russ? He was the last Flyers goaltender to win a series. I know. He was just, he was just better than Mark Andre Fleury, who wasn't the Mark Andre Fleury that we he know. He's a hot mess himself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They were. They were all. They were both terrible, and that series was just incredibly wild. So we're talking about front offices and stuff, and you you know you talk about Ottawa, Mike, and now you go to Edmonton. You know what's really intriguing to me is that it's absolute crickets from down the number two. In Calgary. Yeah. And I'm very surprised that we haven't heard anything about Gullitson. And yeah. I know they won't be getting rid of Trey Living because they just signed it to an extension. Yeah, Trey Living's safe. He's right. safe. And, and, and no, I'm not sure he needs to be on the hot seat yet. Right. But I think Trey Living has some ability to get himself out of trouble. And the only thing I've heard out of Calgary is that Sam Bennett's name is going to pop up now. Uh, Which, I mean, yeah. that's that makes well, sense. That's basically the only chip they have. Maybe well, Brody, if they can flip him while well, he still has some value. Yeah, so I, th- I think I think the move the move is going to be to move one of the five, because they have five good defensemen. But yeah, I right. think one of the things that mitigated the criticism of, of Calgary is the news that came out after the season that Monaghan had surgery on four, like his reconstruction on his wrist, hit both hit, like, I mean, basically yeah. he's Steve Austin, the $6 million man, because he had to have so many surgeries. So, I mean, that, that you know, and him being at less than 100%, by some miracle, how, how many games he played with all those injuries is incredible. But, yeah. you know, I think that, that has to be considered a factor in their decline at the end of the year. Now, three games tonight, uh, game twos, um, Russ, just starting here quickly. Uh, Penguins, Flyers. I mean, last thing I heard was Elliot's going to start game. Uh, game starting. Two. Here's here's the quick moves that I would make. Okay, and it was funny because I said them on serious, and then fans started calling in and agreeing with me. They, they're very upset, and I don't blame them. Elliot's not himself. He's and if he is himself, they need a different self. But I don't think he's a hundred percent. I would definitely use Morazic because there are those times when Morazic does heat up. Yes. Elliot is not going to heat up. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. I, they were too slow. Yuri Laterra had a nice little four check going, but he's too slow. Jordan Wheel should be in there instead. He's faster. He's better with the puck. And and Brandon Manning, while he does bring a little bit of a physical side and does a decent job at time of clearing the puck, he's too slow as well. Robert Hag would be a better solution there too. But they're not going to do any changes. So this is just like basically you're telling the Flyers go out there and you know try your best and redeem yourself. Yeah. For the shellacking you took, and I think they'll do that to some degree, but I'm not sure they're winning this game. 
uh, Peter Winnipeg and uh, and Minnesota game two uh, game that was closer than than we both than all of us thought. Uh, you know, good effort by by Minnesota, but you know the cream rises to the top with Winnipeg. Uh, Matthew Perot got injured in that game, and I know you tweeted out yesterday. You know, Perot out, Roslovic in. There's not much of a drop off there. No, I mean, I, Roslovich doesn't does not have Perot's vision and, and his tenacity, but he could, and yeah. uh, you know he's sort of like a Perot Junior, slight of size, good speed. Um, I think the, the point I put out was you know people thinking that Perot's out. Well, we're just gonna, they're just going to slide in Roslovich. Perot's a game time decision, mm-hmm. as per Paul Maurice. So I think you'll see um, you'll see Roslovich dressed and take the skate as we see Perot and. Like they literally, when they mean game time, basically what what someone tweeted out who was down in the scrum said, "Oh, that means like at six fifteen, like right. he will be dressed and and taking yeah. skates." So they'll put Roslovich in, I'm sure, just to check. And I don't think that line will miss a beat. And in fact, it's not like Roslovich's well, shrinking violet. He's a very strong kid, and well, he, just like he doesn't have a mean streak, but it doesn't mean he can't play. You know, a very strong game. The, the thing that Paul Maurice is raged about Roslovich, and this is where the Jets had some trouble last game, was his reads down the middle in the neutral zone have been fantastic all year. And Maurice has raved about him that way. And that's one area where the Wild pushed the play a little bit. They caught Winnipeg on some odd man rushes. And Roslovich also has the speed to get back. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, given the assignments and how he matches lines, I don't think you'll see a, you'll see a, a, any kind of drop off in terms of production and everything um you just see maybe a more a slightly different dynamic on that uh, that third line um as far as you know most guys have, i just saw it now just have skipped the morning skate um just you know a little extra room uh you know a little extra rest and uh it's believed that um it's believed that uh the power play has someone said has another i heard and i don't know the validity of this but they said they heard talk that there's another look they're going to put on the power play that was giving the wild a bit of trouble last game so it'll be interesting to see but i still think the wild knowing that they hung with them will play a really good game but i do always i have always gotten the feeling with this series that like winnipeg's going to be great in their house minnesota is going to be great yeah. in their house and it's going to be sort of like that home and home series for a while that's what i really expect maybe winnipeg has to start the game like they finish the last game yeah that's the key maybe the maybe are done. opening night's over now let's get down to work yeah maybe buffling in front of the net we know that that's that that has worked in the past and the other the, yeah. uh, the 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 uh, final game is the kings and and the golden knights uh golden knights win one nothing on wednesday uh russ the, the Dowdy one game absence is absolutely huge because you know he was probably going to play thirty minutes in this game, and yep. now that means even more minutes for you know Dion Phaneuf and Alec Martinez, and I don't know whether that's going to spell doom for the Kings. Well, I mean, we've seen these situations; it either kills you or it does make the team stronger, and they rally around it. It'll be one or the other. It'd be interesting to see if, like, maybe Kevin Gravel gets in there. I've liked his play. He had when he had like some sort of, um, I want to say, like disease, for lack of a better term, early in the year that they've that they figured out. He had some sort of ailment, and you know, he's actually the he's been skating and he looks good. Could could he be a missing guy for those minutes rather than just piling them on? Maybe because I don't, you know, I think I think they're going to have to distribute minutes equally. I don't think they could pile them on here. Uh, and and what do we hear about Muzzin? Anything? 
Um, no, I, at least I haven't heard anything. I mean, um, you know, I mean, if he's out for the series, I mean, that's that's definitely a, that's a, huge. That's not it's very huge because hey, he's a he's a minutes. So Manny Gravel is the guy that gets in there, and he does have a little bit of talent. This is salvageable because they only lost one nothing. At the end of the day, if the Kings just get their best guys to play really well, and Kopitar ratchets it up a little bit, and Carter's a little more aggressive, they could still win the game. I, I think the matchup, you know, the uh, the reason I thought the Kings were going to win this series is because Vegas has nobody to match up against Kopitar in terms of size, in terms of his, you know, offensive abilities and Carter as well. So you get those two big linchpins up the middle. But, and, but, keep, but keep Vegas off the power play. They do have a good power play. Right. So, um, yeah. So, okay. Um, you know, we will – Watch a number of games tonight and over the weekend and be back on Monday. Uh, I will be up in Toronto. So, uh, are you warning know? people, Mike? Is that what you're doing? What, that I'm going to be in Toronto? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like King Kong is coming to town, right? But actually, there was a question in the chat room, Mike, that you could answer. Okay. Do you think William Nylander should move to center and do you think they should put Marner with Matthews? Do I think they should? Yes. Will they? No. I think it's going to be Mar. I think it's going to be Marlowe moving to the middle. I think they'll move Komarov up to the second line. So it'll be Komarov, Marlowe, and Marner on the second line. And they'll probably insert Andreas Janssen on the fourth line. I don't think – Babcock does not fully trust William Nylander up the middle. And if you if, if you look at if you look at the fact that, you know, he's going to be matching up against a Krejci or a Bergeron, that may – you know, I think they'll put the experienced hand of Marlowe up the middle for one game. Or for however however long Kadri is out, we'll find that out find that out this afternoon. So, Mike, I just want to add in one thing. Yep. Um, I had a tweet last night. It said, "Pete, I need you to hold Mike accountable tomorrow, please. He's done nothing all year but talk about how light-handed the NHL has been on Brad Marchand. Well, now the shoe's on the other foot. Let's see what he says. And he's a Matthews fan. Okay. Well, I mean, I, mean, I just, I just want, I forgot to put that in earlier. And I said, well, and I, I just, had the discussion. We don't need to go back. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I think I, I express how I feel. And, and I think, I think you're operating in the realms of what NHL player safety would do, yeah. not what we think should happen. I, I'll get, I'll give you credit there. Like, I think, I think he knows as well as I do that there probably should be more, but what's yeah. expected is what we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think too. Yep. Okay, Mike, you, you should answer first. No, I, I, I think Kadri will be suspended. I think what he did was dumb. Um, but, you know, like, I mean, Marchand play. I, I love players like Marchand. They play on the edge. I mean, you hate them because they're not playing for the team that yeah. you root for if you're a Leaf fan. But, you know, you love those. I mean, you know, Darcy Tucker was my favorite Maple Leaf. So it was Wendell Clark. They you know, I don't think Wendell Clark was ever deemed to be a cheap, a cheap shot artist, or you know, he was just a tough player. What Darcy Tucker was more, was more, uh, you know, was more that type of player. But I, but Lee fans still loved him. I mean, yeah, you want Marchands on your team, but when you're playing against him, you hate him. And you know, he was he got underneath the skin of of the Leafs yesterday, and he's going to continue to do that. That's what he does. No, what, what was it, uh, Rossi? Had one more thing. Yeah, um, it looks like Hitchcock is going to remain as an advisor, and that's smart. Because he is a great hockey mind, he he does spot talent pretty well, so I think I think that's smart to keep him around. 
Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen says that Alexander Wenberg is doubtful for game two on Sunday. So that's, that's a significant loss for, uh, for the Blue Jackets who are always challenged to score. So, uh, you know, stay tuned to my Twitter feed, to Russ's, to Peter's for news on all the different series. And I'm sure you'll enjoy our commentary uh, this weekend, especially especially if game two of Boston-Toronto gets as uh, frisky as we think it might be. Uh, for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.